Hello, everybody, and welcome to Art Drama Llama, where we look beyond the galleries and dish on the art world's gossip, rivalries, and eccentricities. My name is Manchi. I'm Vartika. And I'm Sianja. And today we're going to look beyond Goya and the Chapman Brothers. Part one. Yeah. <laughs> so, so let me set the scene. Who was Francisco Goya? He was the first artist to reveal the gross face of war, stripped of all chivalry, romance, and idealism, because he captured something quintessential about modern war. All succeeding generations of artists have seen war through his eyes. So when we think of one of his famous paintings, the 3rd of May, 1808, you would see that it's just a bunch of people lined up and like, I guess, soldiers or whoever it is lined up and they're just shooting at those innocent people. And there's someone in the middle just raising his arms, um, just kind of surrendering or like giving up. And that's something that was not seen before, or like, I guess many other artists did not show that in the past, um, where they just showed it so like brutally, because also on the floor, there's someone dead just bleeding their guts out, or several people dead just bleeding their guts out. And that's something that wasn't as, I guess, clearly shown in other past paintings and by past artists. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense because I think about Washington crossing the Delaware. Valley Forge was a brutal time, but, you know, in his, you know, painting, in the painting where George Washington is crossing the Delaware, he just looks glorious and everybody else does as well. Um, but I bet when they were doing that, everybody was like super sick and mm -hmm. underfed. <laughs> and yeah. Because I think that painting was part of the romanticism period, right? Mm -hmm. where they were just showing everything as kind of glorious and not really showing it right. for what it really is. Mm -hmm. I always felt that that time period, um, the way that they painted things was that they showed a lot of like promise. Mm. Not so much like idealistic, but room for hope, for like something better, for potential. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's true. I think especially mm -hmm. true of American romanticism because a lot of it was kind of founded on the idea of manifest destiny and that you could keep expanding westward, right? So. Mm -hmm. um, and another thing, I'm not really going to go into too much detail about Goya because they're fo focusing more on what the Chapman brothers did to him and his work. Um, but yeah, back to Goya. What, Another thing to kind of note is his early paintings subtly endorsed liberal-minded politicians and secular values. And this was during a time when there were a lot of like revolutions and stuff going on because I don't know, the way I thought of it whenever we were learning world history was 1776 was the American Revolution. And then kind of after that succeeding, like I think 1789 was the French Revolution um, and then like in the, not the preceding, the years that came after, um, there are all these other revolutions going on around, I wouldn't say around the world, but more so in the Western Europe, right? Um, and so what Goya was doing, he was kind of promoting those, I think like different values than the ones that had already been present. 
he kind of shows the brutality of war, as I mentioned before, especially in like the 3rd of May, 1808. Yeah, I think another really interesting thing about Goya is that he was actually a court painter um, and he worked for Charles IV and painted the Spanish royal family. But then you see as time and history go on, his art evolves and he starts taking, you know, stances politically um yeah he kinda, oh, go ahead oh, go ahead go ahead oh i was just gonna say yeah um like manchi said it's he's he does show like those changes in values and stuff but it's very subtle um it wouldn't be something that would be i guess clearly noticeable at the time whereas for us because we know how history played out we can kind of make those connections right yeah yeah, for him, he's living it real time, you know, and he's reacting to his political situation as it's developing, whereas we see more of the full history. You know, that's very interesting. That's a good point. And before we move on too far from Goya, but I just want to say, yeah, he's made one of my favorite paintings, which is called Saturn Devouring His Son. I was oh, about yeah. to mention, I was about to mention, I was like, hey, Manchi, didn't he paint that horrible painting you just love? <laughs> Yeah, and just to uh, paint a picture for the audience, essentially it's this giant, ugly looking man crouching on the ground with a black background and he's shoving like this human body into his mouth. Which I guess you could say would be, um, I was gonna say Zeus, but I don't wanna, (laughs) am I remembering my (laughs) Roman mythology correctly? Yeah, you're right, that would be Zeus. Well, I guess it'd be Jupiter. 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 Right. Oh, yeah, never mind. Uh, in most, like, in, like, recent times, that painting actually showed up in, um, whatchamacallit, uh, American Horror Story, like, the first season. I didn't watch American no, Horror it, Story. It's okay. I'm just, like, putting that out there for the listeners. Oh, okay. In case yeah, we I got mean... any scene kids who probably watch that show. <laughs> I mean, it's a... I think it's one of I think the I like the painting so much because when I see it I always have a visceral reaction to it which I think is in my view a lot of the purpose behind art right is to have a visceral reaction well I wouldn't say you know it's one of the purposes of art is to have a visceral reaction you know and I think that painting does it very well so now I'll talk about the Chapman brothers it was Jake and Dinos Chapman, and they're known as the terrible children of the British art scene, or as in French, it would be Les Enfants Terribles. Excuse yeah. me. Oh, my, my French finally coming to some use. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, the Chapman brothers, they were employed as assistants to Gilbert and George, who are a British couple. Um, who are also sculptors and they found fame as part of the young British artists or the YBAs in the 1990s. Who were the YBAs? Um, they were a loosely affiliated group who met in London in the late 1980s and they participated in two of the most shocking exhibits of the late 20th century known as Freeze which was made in 1988 and Sensation which was made in 1997. They were known for their entre- entrepreneurial spirit, their use of shock tactics, 
and their wild partying, especially in their 1990s heyday. Um, when I read that they were kind of partiers, that kind of remind me, reminded me of the, uh, the cabaret that everyone went to whenever Dadaism was, you know, alive, because they all just did their own thing. But I don't know. It's not really the sim- same thing, but it just kind of reminded me of that. I mean, now that I think about it, I feel like they're all fraternities. They're just all art fraternities. You know, that's what that's what this is. Back to Dadaism. It was all like these wimpy kids. Actually, they weren't even kids. They were like, what, in their mid-20s? Yeah. Well, speaking of Dadaism, um, I'll get there in like a minute or two. So It all circles back. Yep. Also, most of the or most financially successful YBAs are now some of the richest artists in the world, and they remain brash and incredibly media savvy. So their choice of subject matter and perceived lack of art skills make their um, work postmodern, but it's also been widely criticized in the media. So along with Tracy Emin and Damon Hirst, the Chapman brothers were very were a very significant part of the movement, and they helped drive it forward, contributing. Can't talk, contributing to its controversial reputation. Um, so that's kind of what they did before, but then also on their own, the Chapman brothers worked across a range of media, but they were particularly well known for their larger installations. Um, their work is full of a lot of contradictions and there's thoughtful investigations of modern issues coexisting with just weird humor, sexual obscenity, and graphic violence. I mean, nothing yeah. sounds more postmodern than modern issues coexisting with graphic violence and sexual obscenity and odd humor. That's just that postmodern nutshell. Uh, so their work has themes drawn from mass media, but the Chapman brothers also acknowledged that to artists such as Hieronymus Bosch and Dali, but they also uh, accredit their work or like their work is a little bit inspired by the Dada movement. So what do you guys think of that? I think it makes sense. Yeah, I think you can't really ever I think you can't really ever untangle the Dada movement from any modern iterations because it's yeah. all to some degree like either performance art to make some sort of point about the art world or the wider society. So I think there's, you know, or some sort of odd art to do that. You know, I think it's just, you're never going to be able to untangle that. Yeah, and it's like we mentioned in our Dadaism episode, um, pretty much all modern art uh, is inspired or takes its roots in Dadaism. So. Right, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, and to give you kind of an example of one of their other terrible works, um, in this episode and, the next, and in the next one, we'll be focusing on what they did to Francisco Goya's pieces, but... Um, this is kind of something that they made on their own. One of their other works was called Hell, and it was a tableau in which thousands of toy Second World War German soldiers are shown to be 
mutilating and killing each other and themselves in a psychotic Nazi orgy. Um, like, like the, I don't know if there are any other types of orgies, but like, like a sexual orgy. No, I think I think they were just kind of. I think the word is used to kind of describe like the frenzy that was going on. Okay. Because they were all just shown to be killing each other. Like, I guess essentially pointing their guns at each other. Since they're toy soldiers, like, pew, pew. <laughs> okay. All right. And I guess at themselves, too. Um, Bro, I don't know. They're naked in this picture. The toy oh. soldiers don't have clothing on. Never mind. So. Wait, hold on. Let me see this. I can't, I can't tell if it's because they're dead and somebody's stripped the clothing from them or it's oh what the heck i should have looked this up beforehand but smh this is a research podcast i'm kidding (laughs) one of the one of the um angles that the picture is taken on it looks like there's ronald mcdonald on a cross yeah i think i think there are many ronald mcdonald's on crosses so are they trying to show or go against the there's a word that I'm looking for but it's like how fast the oh consumerism like the spread of consumerism is that what they're doing this kind of <laughs> reminds me of that painting uh that renaissance painting that's supposed to depict hell yeah like all the sins yeah yeah but I don't know I don't really under like this is kind of a I guess referring back to previous episodes but this is kind of a Banksy moment in my opinion where they I mean the putting the McDonald Ron McDonald on a cross doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me because are you trying to say that they're sacrificing Ronald McDonald for our lives to save us i mean i think that's the complete opposite of what mcdonald's does to our lives they don't save us they kill us right well uh okay if if i remember correctly from when i was forced to go to church so jesus is like the son of god right so in a way he's like a demigod right and so like our savior so if, if they're going through that logic, then yeah, may they're making a jab at like consumerism in the sense that like McDonald's is like one of the iconic like icons for consumerism. So in a way they're kind of showing like, look, we're crucifying your your God. Yes. But I mean but, the idea is that Jesus died for our sins. So we could Yeah, go- but I mean with consumerism, there's that idea of like capitalism is good and it saves right I, so, yeah okay i see where you're saying you see, you, yeah sense. you see my train of thought yeah yeah but i just i just don't understand it in the context well first i guess it's i feel like most artists are anti-capitalism at least modern i artists. wouldn't say that really yeah i yeah i would not say that i don't think every artist is very like yeah man like liberal like sharing is caring i feel like some are really ruthless and cutthroat Look but at i feel Alish. like oh okay yeah i mean that's a fair point okay yeah all right so that's kind of what you guys think right um 
should I tell you what the actual interpretation of the word yeah, is yeah, or yeah. like what they said? Yeah. So it's interpreted as a profound comment on the Holocaust and its representations. Um, Jake Chapman says, the idea of making 5,000 little toy soldiers all running around mutilating each other and then finding pathos in that. It's alarming that people are prepared to cathartic cathartically reappropriate these things which are so redundant and void. It took us three years to make 5,000 people and it took the Germans three hours to kill 15,000 Russian prisoners of war. So what do you guys think about that? I feel like none of those meanings came across to me upon first viewing. So I just have to two stars on the uh, conveying of that meaning. It just kind of feels like I, I, I see what they're trying to say, but that is definitely not the first thing I thought of when I saw that. I agree, but adding on to that, I think it's because it's too chaotic. And because they're using figurines, and this is like a 3D like art piece, right? Mm -hmm. So I feel like with 3D art pieces, you really have to like look at like, unless it's like a singular like statue, this is kind of like a play model type of stuff, like a play model scene. I feel like with stuff like that, you really have to like look at every little facet. Because when you Google image this, they show kind of like frames, right? Of this mm -hmm. whole thing. So I feel like the reason why none of that was like coming across aside from like our previous criticisms because of how big and chaotic and just too much was going on in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I could see some of that in some of these like images, like singular images of like one portion of it. Now that I know what they were going for, but as a whole, I do think because of like how much it has going on, it it like that meaning that purpose behind it gets kind of overshadowed yeah. yeah yeah and I also I have a hard time understanding what Jake is trying to say because he's saying that people are finding pathos and seeing 5,000 little toy soldiers running around mutilating each other I don't know if I do feel any of that I don't feel like I've I don't feel a catharsis to it. Maybe it's because I am not close to the Holocaust in any personal way. Um, but I certainly didn't see this and feel like, oh, wow, that was such a cathartic release. You know, I feel somehow lighter. In fact, I think I feel the opposite. Seeing that just makes me a little bit more tense. <laughs> yeah, it, I don't know. Yeah, it kind of does show the brutality of war. Mm -hmm. um, kind of in the way Goya was showing it but yeah. it might just be because we're not seeing it from the exact point of view but also you like the Chapman brothers I don't know if I could I should say this <laughs> I don't want them to come after me but I feel like they're a little unhinged um just All because right. of <laughs> it's okay we already have Banksy on our tails you know this That's is true. What's it a what's another pair of artists? Like <laughs> okay, but here's the thing. Banksy has his identity hidden, right? So that could be used against him. Mm. If he ever comes after us. We'll be like, all right, show up in court, Banksy. Show up in court, no mask, no nothing. <laughs> but then we know their identity. So 
yeah please don't come after us we're just i guess amateur art critics (laughs) yeah (laughs) so now i'll be kind of laying out the scene for what the chapman brothers did to goya's works um we'll be going over more of the timeline in the next episode but just to give you guys kind of an introduction so what they were doing to Goya's works was they were essentially turning something that was more of a je- conceptual or gestural act into something more malevolent. They were kind of harming his works. I won't say exactly what they were doing, but it's it'll be pretty obvious. Um, but anyways, they were using money that they made from selling the first piece that they kind of harmed to buy the second piece or the second okay. set of pieces. Um, they were saying things like, oh, if I if we can get their get if we can get our hands on every single Goya set, uh, we would harm them. Um, they were doing things like amplifying some of the more gruesome features of the works. Uh, I don't know if that's kind of spoiling it, but that's kind of what they were doing. Um, they were also Sorry, what what Goya's purpose was with his etchings, his works, was to disseminate them far and wide because they're etchings, which is essentially something that can be mass produced and spread widely very Mm -hmm. easily. But what the Chapman brothers wanted to do was deface the works and reduce the number of original pieces that were, I guess, printed. Um, And one of the funny, not funny, but it was kind of shocking to me I was watching a video on the Chapman brothers and they said this part with a laugh like I don't know like a which funny laugh or kind of like a <laughs> laugh the <laughs> kind of laugh like I don't know okay. which brother was talking but there he was like oh I just, we really wanted to face the works and like reduce the number of originals and you could hear kind of the derision in his voice like oh, it just I was like, oh man, they're so evil. <laughs> and they were saying things like, oh, by harming the work, we're just trying to get people to look at it. Like Goya is like, he's very well known in Spain. Um, a lot of people respect him because he does show their history kind of for what it was and doesn't try to like romanticize it and stuff. Um, so he's very well known. I don't know why they think that people <laughs> aren't looking at Goya's work, but whatever. I remember when I first learned about like what the Chapman brothers did about um, to his work. I mm-hmm. learned it from an artist. And she said that when she first learned that she was really like sad and mad at the like sad of what happened, but she was really kind of like mad for Goya at the brothers. Because mm-hmm. she said that when she found out about this at the time, she had just like had learned about uh, Goya and kind of like his last years alive. Uh, from what I remember, I mean, I could be remembering wrong. Didn't he go like a little crazy with like grief? Like Goya became like real, like not mentally stable. And a lot of his artwork was like really dark. And it, I don't know, apparently he, apparently like the war took a real like, toll on him mentally Mm -hmm. and he became really like not optimistic and I don't know so she said that like she had just learned kind of like how his last years were like really bad and how he was just stuck like struck with this grief and this kind of like desperation of like the world isn't getting better Mm 
So she said that after learning all that, she felt a lot for this man, saying that these two brothers defaced this like act of grief that this like person had made and kind of treated it as like treated his pain and his grief as like a joke yeah well he also went deaf as well and i think that helped that kind of spiraled him further um Mm -hmm. but they're speculating it's possible that he suffered from lead poisoning because he used a lot of uh white lead which he grounded himself in his paintings I once read somewhere that artists used to like drink the water that they use to like clean their paintbrushes. Yeah, I think some of them did. Yeah, I was like, why would you do that? I'm feeling, I'm having a sense of deja vu. I feel like we've talked about this in a previous episode. Yeah, I think we did. (laughs) But yeah, don't know why they would do that. (laughs) I feel like their project hell kind of shows us what goes on in their head. (laughs) <laughs> i feel like they kind of like how like i guess how hubris works so you get cut up cut caught up in your own like i guess grandiosity i feel like they got caught up too much in their like chaotic tendencies mm. like we want to spread chaos but it just got out of control yeah like it overtook them, kind of like when you're eating like your favorite candy, and you're just like, oh, just, just one more. <laughs> they were like, "Yes, man, let's deface these pieces. Why stop at one?" <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you know what? I'm interested in hearing what they did specifically because we certainly didn't learn about this in school. So I'm interested mm-hmm. in what pieces Goyas we no longer have in their original state, and then also what happens next. Yeah, and I also do want to mention um, they didn't just do this do this to Goya's works. I know we're just going to be focusing on Goya's works for um, this episode, obviously, and then next episode. But they did do this to other other artists as well, which so is what like- I'm hearing is another episode on the Chapman brothers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, foreshadowing. Okay, but yeah, that's why I said they weren't unhinged. But no. Do you, by any chance, uh, like, like next episode, are you going to, like, touch upon, like, how they were even able to get access to such a highly regarded artist's work? Because I'm kind of, like, how, I'm, because I feel like his work was probably protected by, like, the government, so I'm, like, who the hell let them, like, just touch this? Well, I think, um, I mean, Goya painted a lot of paintings, especially his etchings. So I don't think all of them are under government control. Yeah, I think and they also, um, by the time they started, or they started early, but they did already have some influence because they are like connections too. They worked with, as I mentioned before, Gilbert and George who were British sculptors. And then they were also part of the YBAs. So they were already rich. Or they, I guess they became rich. So it was all money. They were like, here's, boom, my sack of gold. Give me them. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they're definitely not all government controlled because SMU has a fairly substantial, or Southern Methodist University has this fairly substantial uh, collection of Goya paintings. But I feel like that's different because it's like an educational like institution, right? 
versus like yeah. these two individuals yeah but i think if you just have enough well i mean i think the government wouldn't necessarily just sell to an institutional like i think if a government had those pieces they wouldn't sell them right because it would be part of their historical uh, mm-hmm. archives um so mm-hmm. i was just making that point to say like i don't think they're under uh, i don't think they're under government control yeah but i mean I, a lot of them are in the Prado Museum or Museo del Prado, which is in Madrid, Spain. So, yeah. That makes me kind of sad. Yeah. Maybe that's why Velasco's like, F y'all, I'm only making 120 because <laughs> I know y'all y'all have space for that. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense, right? Like, what, what would you do as a museum with the paintings that mm-hmm. might be, in your opinion, less great, right? Like, private collections but then what those private collectors do is I guess I don't know if there's probably terms and conditions in place but I don't think so I think to some degree they could kind of do whatever so maybe it's maybe that's what happened here yeah Um, I'm just I just think it's crazy that people keep selling to them yeah you know I feel like well but I guess there's every kind of type of seller on the market so yeah do they have like crazy eyes that hypnotize them like yes you'll sell them to me (laughs) the money is too attractive you know that too that too all right well i'm excited to hear more so last thing i wanted to say about goya's work and or reiterate it since he did make etchings which means that he can make several prints and kind of mass Mm -hmm. produce and spread them out so i think that's also why there are so many Mm-hmm. But because there are so many, it's easier for them to right. put their hands on them. Yeah. yeah. Just to kind of wrap things up, <laughs> um, this episode we talked about Francisco Goya, um, as well as the Chapman brothers, Jake and Dinos. Um, and next episode, we'll be talking about what specifically the Chapman brothers did to Goya's works of art. If you have any stories you would like us to cover, email us at artdramalama at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Patreon, all under Art Drama Llama. And lastly, thank you for joining us, and we hope we can continue looking beyond the galleries with you. Until next time. Bye, llamas. Bye. Bye. Manchi, any final words? Oh, yeah. That's just so enfant terrible. Oh, my gosh. You pulled out the French. <laughs> you have to you have to go big or go home you know all right i applaud you snap snaps all right next time so see y'all next time